It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth from Sherwin Hughes. Let me read some of these YouTube comments, see what y'all are talking about. Curly Q says, whoa, I'm on time. Good morning, Truth Nation. Curly Q was on time. Rhea was late. Just saying. Why you giving me side eye? Extreme Pick says, salute to the chat. Gerard says... Gerard says also there's a large group of us that wouldn't just my jewelry and clothes. We would buy a bunch of real estate businesses and purchase land. Say what? Also, there is a large group of us that wouldn't just my jewel, just buy jewelry and clothes. We would buy a bunch of real estate businesses and purchase. So, okay. So why aren't you? I'm assuming you are all right. Buying real estate and businesses and land. Curly Q said Botanas. Yeah, I was just complaining about y'all think Botanas is good Mexican food. Botanas is a restaurant that it's it's mid-level. I okay, I get it. Chi Chi's closed. Y'all used to love going to Chi Chi's. Chi Chi's was like how we broke our Mexican food virginity. Cause it wasn't nearly as many Mexican food restaurants back in the Chi Chi's was like the eighties. Then the 90s. That's how y'all first. That's probably the first Mexican food I ever ate. So I lost my Mexican food virginity on Chi-Chi's. And then as you get older, you get a much more sophisticated palate. There was no food trucks back in the day. They probably weren't even legal. You couldn't just have a truck open up the side of it and say, hey, want to buy some sandwiches and then drive. The person could just drive away. They didn't have that. There has been. Well, maybe not. Maybe there's always been a lot of Mexican restaurants on the South side, but growing up in Brown Deer and having my family live on the North side, you didn't go to the South side. You didn't go to the South side for anything. It literally offered nothing. We didn't even go to South Ridge. South Ridge was going to a foreign land. So when we were kids, we had our driver's license, whatever. We would go to different malls. We would go to Mayfair. Of course we would go to Bayshore. Bayshore was a shell of what it is now. It was a one level L shaped mall that was boring. It offered nothing. There was no attraction. There was no food court. You maybe had one restaurant. I'm talking about old school Bayshore. I'm talking about late eighties, early nineties Bayshore. It was a Rocky Rococo in the mall. That was it. No food court. That was it. One level mall. Where, where else would we go? That was it. I didn't go to Brookfield square. Cause but I remember going to Southridge for the first time and it felt like because the area around a mall because you'll have restaurants and shops and stores you know what I mean like the like it's all economic development in the areas surrounding a mall it looked like Northridge even how Southridge was laid out identical like architecturally Perfectly identical, same dimensions, same square footage, probably the same number of stores as Northridge. But it felt like I was in a different country and it felt yucky. 
The southwestern suburbs are another country, and the people that come from there, no offense to any of you that live in the southwestern suburbs, but I think the culture of the south, like, so when I say southwestern suburbs, I'm speaking specifically of like Greendale, Greenfield. Nah, not West Dallas is unique. West Dallas is, how would I call that? The working class white people's north side. Like West Dallas is just, it's different. But the southwestern suburbs, I think that culture just stays out there. Very few people, if you grew up on the north side or if you grew up on the east side or even in Wauwatosa, another like northern-ish or the north shore, you're not moving to Greendale or Greenfield. I think the people that live in Greendale or Greenfield have lived there their entire lives. Like they went to Greendale High, high School or they went to Greenfield High School. They met their, they went away to college maybe, they met their spouses, they bought a house or they bought their parents' house or assumed their parents' house in Greendale or in Greenfield. It just seems like it's just untouched, and it's not very diverse. Every now and again, you'll hear about a racist incident at Greendale or Greenfield High School. I have no idea what the diversity is, but I just don't know of many African-Americans that are choosing those suburbs in particular to live. It's always felt very inhospitable to me. Most areas surrounding the city of Milwaukee I'm perfectly fine in, but they also they don't offer very much. I mean, other than superior health care. That's <laughs> that's where or a whole foods. But yeah, the suburbs they just don't they don't offer much. But those southwestern suburbs are I feel the racism because there's not a lot of African American cultural influence in the southwestern suburbs. And they're inconveniently located. There's nothing else out that way. Vanessa G says no one cares. Facts, Sherwin, people need to keep their personal drama out of the workplace. I agree, Vanessa. And a lot of times that is where personal drama infects the workplace. I got an old school mentality about work. And I keep it that way because that is what has gotten me through a very interesting career. I don't ever really get too close to people that I work with because the only reason why I'm friends with these people is because we work for the same employer. It's not like we have a whole bunch of stuff in common. It's not like I knew these people and here or anywhere else. It's not like I knew them previously. Every now and again, right, I might work with somebody that I knew, but a lot of times I don't work. I got a whole bunch of stories about that. Somebody has a job, whatever. Your job is hiring. You bring in a friend. Oh, my friend is looking for a job because employers would rather hire someone that an existing employee already knows because it saves the employer a ton of money because a lot of times they don't even have to post an open position. So employers love it. But here's what I have noticed in those situations. And this isn't, and this is like my whole career. Somebody has a job. The job is hiring. They say, Hey, I got a friend that's looking, Oh, have your friend apply. That'll be great. Fast forward two years, three years, four years. One of them is gone. I ain't lying to you. You bring a friend or a family member into your workplace where you have been working. You let your friend or your family member know, hey, we're hiring. You talk to the manager or somebody in HR. Hey, I know somebody that would be right for this position. And it's a friend of yours or a family member of yours. One of y'all ain't going to make it. And I'm trying to think long and hard if there is a situation where 
a friend brings in another friend or a family member to an existing workplace and they both lasted five years. I can't think of a single one. Bridgewater is great. Detangled hair salon says Bridgewater is great. Bridgewater is one of my up and coming new favorite restaurants in Milwaukee. And they have a black general manager. It's very, very gay. Like fashionably gay. Very, he'll come talk to you. He's got a, his beard, is manicured. Very gay. But he's not like, how do I not be? Because anything I say about the gay, because the gays are very organized. So you can't make them mad because they'll, they'll march. If they boycott the market hall, market hall will be closed by Friday. He's, he's just a nice guy, but he's just, it's very gay. He's a manager of the Bridgewater and he's black. Creation Muse says most generations up until roughly now look forward to going to work just to get on their own or have their own. The need was more than the wants. Now the want is more than the need entitlement. <clears throat> Imagine going to work because it is a break from what's going on at home. You sick of your wife or your husband, the kids is off of school. You can't wait to get out the house and go to work where work is your respite. I felt that way before. Couldn't wait to get out of the house because it was a mess at home. I go to work and I can just do my job and I can take my mind somewhere else for a period of eight hours. I am not focused on what is going on at home. But then when it's time to punch out and you got to go back to go back to that mess at home. And I'm not sure if that's productive, but bringing problems and issues at home to work screws up everything. And it's it interferes with other employees ability to work, because if you are diminished because you brought the troubles of home to work, that's going to impact everybody else. And that's not fair. That is, in fact, entitlement and selfishness because everybody's dealing with something. Imagine if every person that you worked with, no matter what your job is, you're an electrician, you're a plumber, you work construction, you work whatever, some kind of a trade. Maybe you work as a white collar professional and everybody that's got some mess going on at home brings their baggage from home to work. No one is getting anything done. Work. You Hopefully you like your job. That's another proposition i suppose that's hard to come by liking your job makes it easy er to escape and work but the other thing is if you're having a bunch of problems and issues at home and you're also working from home i don't know how anybody can be productive you got some issues with the kids or with the family whatever's going on and you're right there at home working and all the problems that are at home are right there right near your professional environment when you're working from home that ain't no fun Barbara Smith says it fosters severe insecurities in people. Too much social media will certainly do that. Creation Muse says you have people calling into work to do gaming and trying to be social media influencers. When AI really kicks in, most desk jockey workers will be in serious trouble. More layoffs coming. Andrew Yang tried to warn about that. That's why he was looking at doing universal basic income because Artificial intelligence is going to replace a lot of jobs. And maybe in some cases it should, because I'm going to tell you why it should. Because artificial intelligence isn't bringing their baggage to work. Artificial intelligence isn't calling in sick because it's depressed and feeling a little bit sad. That's what we get, though. That's the trade off. 
We have, have all of this social media. We are drying up our stores of dopamine. It takes more and more and more and more for people to feel anything, to feel any kind of emotion, to feel any kind of happy. We're all becoming numb and becoming robots. We might as well use artificial intelligence because our productivity in this nation is lagging. It is 100%. You can look that information up. I wasn't afraid of artificial intelligence until really yesterday. I know people warn of it, but I think it's not going to get to the point, at least not in my lifetime, where it just consumes humanity. But I saw something yesterday. I watched Joe Rogan. I don't know that Joe Rogan was as polarizing as some people think he is. When you do talk radio for a living, sometimes the things you discuss rub people the wrong way just because it's all a part of it, right? But I don't know that Joe Rogan was so hated. He's probably said some stupid stuff. Hell, so have I. But there's this thing now. Have you guys ever heard uh, Adolf Hitler, like see these old black and white films and this footage of him giving a speech and he is just yelling and he's screaming emphatically and he's pounding on that, that podium and anything said in German sounds frightening. Even when you tell somebody you love them in German, it sounds like they're about to kill. Ich liebe dich. That's I love you. I'm not, that's, I love you. Ich liebe dich. That's not very heartwarming. And so you've seen this old archived footage of Adolf Hitler speaking to these massive crowds of thousands of people. AI now has the ability to translate Adolf Hitler's speeches to English, but in his voice. It was the most petrifying thing. And a lot of the Adolf Hitler archived footage that we all have seen, I'm glad I don't know what he's saying because I don't want to know. So I just let my mind just, you know, fill in what the blanks are because he's speaking German. I speak German, but not that much. When I heard this clip, and they, the clip that they played was just an example of what artificial intelligence can do because no one has ever heard Adolf Hitler give a speech in English, but it was in his actual tone of his voice, his cadence, everything. They just translated it into English. And you know what he was saying in this particular clip? And they just found a random clip. I don't know if you ever watched Joe Rogan's podcast, but they'll somebody will bring something up and then boom, Joe Rogan's production assistant or his producer will just bring it up and put it up on the screen and play the audio. It was him talking about making Germany great. Every time I see these Adolf Hitler, you know, videos, his archive footage, I always think he's speaking about the Holocaust and speaking negatively about Jews. He rarely spoke in crowds, two crowds about the Jews because it was, it was unpopular. Like doing bad, believe it or not, it was unpopular with the German people to be mean to Jewish people. Had no idea. I thought that they all just were in on the gig. They, because it didn't play well with the German people, Adolf Hitler talked about economic issues. I had no idea. There is someone else who was galvanizing the support of working class people as there was another primary last night in Michigan in which Donald Trump did a landslide. I think this can now shed a whole nother perspective 
on one of the political parties that is currently vying for the White House because Adolf Hitler didn't talk about exterminating Jews or talk about the Holocaust. He talked about building Germany's economy, making Germany number one again, making Germany great again. I wish I didn't hear it. I wish I didn't see that clip of on Joe Rogan of Adolf Hitler speaking English. But that was an example of what artificial intelligence can do. So I wasn't really afraid of it until until I saw that. Take a break, come back, read some more text messages, and then I have a little food for feedback story where the Black Chamber of Congress wants to give you a $25 gift card to give feedback on black-owned restaurants around the city. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. Talk about that next. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be back shortly. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Leave a review and get a free meal. That's the idea behind a program started two years ago by the Wisconsin Black Chamber of Commerce. Through the end of the year, the nonprofit is distributing $100,000 through $25 gift cards. Wait, what? What's the math on that? No, this can't be right. Oh, Ruben, what are you doing? That was it forty thousand. Is that four thousand or forty thousand? What's f- four thousand? Four thousand times twenty five is a hundred thousand, right? So they're giving out four thousand twenty five dollar gift cards through the end of the year. The Wisconsin Black Chamber of Commerce is distributing one hundred thousand dollars through twenty five dollar gift cards given out to people at different chamber events. The gift cards are redeemable for food products at six restaurants in Milwaukee and Wauwatosa. The catch is you have to leave feedback. So six restaurants are going to get their share of $100,000, $25 at a time. That's not bad. Quote, it's so important because we wouldn't get it if we didn't ask for it. Lashina McElroy, the chairwoman of the Black Restaurant Association for the Wisconsin Black Chamber said, We don't give feedback at black restaurants. Let me tell you why. Because y'all will cuss us out. I learned that a long time ago. You can't tell me if I'm lying. You can't go to a black owned restaurant and complain about the food without them getting mad at you. And I don't want to stereotype, but it's happened to me before. I'm only speaking on my personal experience. And here's the thing with me. I get it. Being a restaurant owner is hard as hell. A bunch of my friends own restaurants throughout the city. It is a job I would never, ever, ever want to do. You have to love people, love your staff. You have to love the art of preparing food. It's 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 too much. You can't mess up. Everything's got to be spotless clean. If somebody gets sick, you're going to get sued. You're going to go out of business. It is way, way too much. So I know how hard it is. 
And if I go to a restaurant where they mean well and they treat me well and the service is good, I'll make up an excuse if the food is not perfect. But for me to complain at a restaurant, it's got to be God awful or wrong or something really, really awful. Because I usually keep my complaints to myself. It's got to be something to warrant the complaint. Some of y'all will complain if you got 14 French fries instead of 15. Oh, I hate going out to eat with y'all. I hate it. You got to have a level of etiquette and a level of understanding, right? Especially after the pandemic when people have not wanted to go into the service industry, back to their service industry jobs. And so a lot of places, even still to this day, are short-staffed. That's why so much stuff is still isn't open on Monday. Some restaurants not open on Tuesdays. The short-staffed is very, very tough. But if you leave negative feedback at certain black-owned restaurants, they take it personal. No, this is a business transaction. I give you money. You give me a product, your food you prepare. Because you don't want my money to be short when I'm paying for the food. So if my service was short or if the meal was prepared incorrectly, you should be able to take that criticism. Just like if the meal costs $34 and I try to give you $31, you, the merchant, the owner of the restaurant, you're going to have something to say about that, rightfully so. But what if the meal that I pay $34 for is only worth $17? Well, then me, the recipient of your product, I have the right to complain too. There is a Yiddish word that is used by the Jewish people, which encapsulates how they support one another. Because, oh, we know how the Jewish dollar circles and circles and recycles throughout their community like 11 times before it leaves the community. We have this thing called retail and consumer leakage. That means that money that is, and we have, I know the information because I got it, I got a story somewhere buried. We have the statistics on the majority of black zip codes in Milwaukee and how much money is made. So the incomes, because they can look at tax filings and census data. And then they look at how much money is spent in other zip codes. So not only does our money in certain black zip codes, majority black zip codes, not circulate 11 times, it doesn't circulate once. We have leakage. So the income that we may make in a black zip code immediately, immediately, once it hits our account or once we get that paycheck cash, goes to another zip code. Where other communities, the Jewish community in particular, their money recycles 11 times. They're sending each other's kids to college based upon their support. So there's this term. It's a Yiddish term. It's called called Farjin. Farjin means you're Jewish. I'm Jewish. I'm going to buy from you. If I don't like what I bought from you, I'm going to tell you what I didn't like about the service, about the product about the quality of the food, the cleanliness of the restaurant, whatever the case may be. But I'm going to buy from you because you're Jewish. If I don't like what I bought, I'm going to tell you. You're going to fix it, and here's the kicker. I'm going to buy from you again, and I'm going to buy from you until you get it right. That is a genius concept. And so if we wonder about all these conspiracies and how the Jewish people do it, it is that is a communal concept. I'm going to buy from you because you're black. I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. I'm going to tell you what you need to improve. You're going to improve it. And I'm going to buy from you again. 
And if I buy from you again and there was still something that was wrong or something that was amiss or something that needs to be shaped up a little bit, I'm going to tell you again, you're going to fix that. And guess what? I'm going to buy from you again. Not us, though. I'm guilty of this because I don't feel like my complaint will turn into action. A lot of times you complain at a restaurant. This could be a restaurant owned by an operator of any race. And a lot of times, you know what you get? Oh, I'm sorry. You feel that way. <laughs> That's what or. Well, here's here's a gift card or here's a free dessert. Not oh, we hear you we will fix that next time you come in, sir. It'll be fixed and we'll pay for your meal for you. No, we don't really get a lot of that. So what I'll do is if I do complain. And sometimes people are very accommodating. A lot of times they're not like, oh, we're sorry you feel that way. Sorry. That's too bad. Oh, okay. Here's a free dessert. Rarely will they pay for your whole meal if you complain. Sometimes. But what I'll do is I'll just, I'll never go back. I don't care what kind of business you are in. I don't care what you sell. I don't care what your products are. If people do not return to your business, you're done. You survive off of repeat customers because you cannot continue to pay the cost to get a new customer. New customers cost money. Y'all know that? If you want new customers, you have to spend money on marketing and promotion and no having a Facebook page is not going to do it. You survive off of your repeat customers that love your establishment, that love you, love your products and love your services. Because if you have poor or shoddy quality of products and services and they don't come back and you don't have a core base of customers, you're finished because you're not going to get new people if you can't keep the old ones. Plus, acquiring new customers comes at a premium. There's even a dollar amount. If you're going to business, you need to know what the cost is to acquire a customer. Okay, we spent uh, $10,000 on radio ads. We spent $50,000 on television. Okay, that's $60,000. And we got six customers. You spent $10,000 per customer. Now, that's a bit of an extreme example. But you will know when you start your advertising campaign, however you plan on doing it. Maybe you do some paid social media ads. You do some YouTube videos. You do some Facebook you know, paid sponsored ads, et cetera, et cetera. And you run your ads for a month. And you, this is why a lot of times people ask, oh, how'd you hear about us? Where'd you hear about us? Oh, okay. That's where you heard about us. Where, oh, you heard about us on Facebook? Because that business can track how much it costs in advertising to get you in that restaurant. So if you do an advertising campaign, just as an example, all entrepreneurs need to know this. You run a advertising campaign for one month and you spent five grand and you got 500 customers in new customers from spending five grand in one month, you spent a hundred bucks customer right now. Here's the thing. If you keep those customers forever, what they purchase from you will far exceed what you spent to get them. That is the math of business. I will pay money to get a new customer, but I need to keep them and I need to drain their wallets every time they get a paycheck. And I need them to tell their friends, their family, et cetera, et cetera. So now that five grand I spent to get 500 customers, if each of them tells three people or they bring two people with them, 
the money I spent to get 500 people, I now have 1,500 customers. Now I can get a second location. You understand it? Y'all don't want me to go into business. Y'all don't, you don't want me. I have, I start a chicken shack because y'all like chi- Sherwin's chicken. It'll be vegan though. Sherwin's vegan chicken nuggets. North side location, south side location. Now opening new locations in Greendale and Greenfield. Carry out only. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth. The Truth app at 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth. The Truth app at 1017thetruth.com. The Wisconsin Black Chamber of Commerce is giving $100,000 in $25 gift cards to six restaurants located in Milwaukee and Wauwatosa. I'm assuming these are black-owned restaurants, but the catch is you have to leave feedback at these restaurants. So this is a great start. This is a good thing. But I wish that we didn't have to get bribed to leave feedback. And what's crazy is there are some people who may not even go to these restaurants if it wasn't for these $25 gift cards. And if they got poor service at these restaurants, they probably wouldn't complain about it. And these six restaurants would likely go out of business. Getting new customers is important, but having a core customer base that is always going to come back, like your core customer base, like they're going to pay your expenses, your employees, and your overhead. New customers, because what you do is special and unique and you provide an experience, is going to get you new customers. But you got to have a base of people that are attracted to your business. We're talking about restaurants, your restaurant specifically, that will always keep going. Because I'll be honest with you, all I don't even want to do the math on it. The restaurants that I go to with great frequency, I have been going to for decades. You understand me? Decades. And I don't know how much money they may have spent advertising to me or even advertising to my parents. And because I may have gone to these restaurants with my parents and they have may have been targeted with advertising in the 70s and the 80s. And here it is, 2024. And I am still going cumulatively. Think about how much money I spent. My friends have spent. My parents have spent at that restaurant and they just spent money to just acquire like my dad. And then my dad takes my mom and then my mom takes you know, before my brother was born, it would be the three of us, my mother, my father, and me. And then my brother was born. Now it's the four of us. And then now Tyler is going. And now I'm going with my friends and my family. That is how restaurants stay in business for generations. The catch is you have to leave feedback. It is so important because we wouldn't get it if we didn't ask for it. Lashina McElroy, the chairwoman of the Black Re- Restaurant Association for TWBCC, that is the Wisconsin Black Chamber of Commerce. This gives owners direct feedback and an opportunity to meet new people that have never experienced their cuisine. The $100,000 is part of a funding commitment by the nonprofit to help support black-owned businesses and improve customer service. Okay, here are the restaurants. Are you ready? I have been to one of these. Mr. B's. Privileged Lounge, 8617 West Brown. Dear, that's my fella that owns that, Craig Berry. Shout out to Craig Berry. Perkins Boys on the Grill, 6818 West Brown, Dear Road. 
Brothers Backyard Barbecue, 3530 West National Avenue. Mikasa Sioux Cafe at 1835 North Dr. MLK. Delicious Bites at 6538 West North Avenue. And Tropic MKE at 518 North Water Street. So those are the six restaurants. And if you attend a Wisconsin, nope, not Wisconsin. Yeah, it is Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Black Chamber of Commerce, if you attend any of those any of their events, then you can get a gift card for $25 at any of the previous previously mentioned restaurants. The owners of these restaurants meet every month to go over customer feedback. One of the owners is Tamira White, the head chef at Delicious Bites. They opened just over a year ago in February 2023. Getting open was a struggle during the pandemic, but once we got in here, we started figuring out the flow learning the ebbs and flows, figuring out ways to increase traffic and letting people know we are here. She smiled. She's a third generation chef who found a passion for baking. I love it. I get caught up in here. I'm here after hours and people are also here trying to get in after hours. I love, 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 love this space. White gleamed. She added that support means everything. The program not only helps businesses like whites get feedback, but brings in new faces too. a lot of us are first generation. We didn't grow up with that wealth or that additional money in the bank. We actually went out there and created these opportunities for ourselves as well as our families. So it's really important that Milwaukee continues to support African-American businesses. McElroy explained. I think that people will support businesses that have products and services that they like. You guys know how I feel about people trumpeting that they're a black owned business. We get it. Black owned businesses struggle and they struggle for a variety of reasons, but don't make me feel guilty because I didn't spend my money to black owned business. I'm going to, I'm listen, I'm going to spend all the money I got on products and services that I love and that I need. Now for you to become that, that's up to you, but I can't say, well, Here's where I really want to go shop. Here's where I really want to go eat. (sighs) But I guess I just better go to the black owned businesses. I don't want that to have to be my decision. I want black owned businesses to already be in the repertoire of places where I go and I spend my money. Like I don't need the necessary guilt put and none of us need that necessary guilt. Well, we better support the black owned business because if that business is doing a crappy job and people are just there for charity, then that business is not going to get new customers. No business can survive. No for-profit endeavor can survive like a non-profit. The people are contributing and buying things and shopping there because they feel bad for you because they're trying to you know, help you make ends meet. If that's the case, just give me your Social Security number and I'll make you a dependent. And I'll just send you a check every month. Black-owned businesses have a real opportunity. But again, you know, I had my little bit of you know, a meltdown about black-owned businesses yesterday. Sell things that black people can't afford. We will find a way. We like the status and prestige of expensive stuff. Because if you really don't have money, you can make it look like you do by buying things that you cannot afford. Or better yet, black owned businesses do not have to cater to black people. Nowhere does it say that. Because a lot of us black folks that are consumers, we're already committed We already shop here. We already buy this. We already go to this restaurant. We're already in a relationship 
with a goods and or service provider. Black folks need to sell to the largest and wealthiest consumer base in southeastern Wisconsin, and that's white folks. And why wouldn't you? Because guess what? They sell to us. Elsa's is not owned by black people. Neither is Botana's. Every other race of people in this nation has figured out how to sell to the black consumer. And we're actually cool with it because if you think about the choices that you have, you have choices in all sorts of stuff where you go buy clothes, food, restaurant, bars, nightclubs, taverns, right? All over the place. You've got a whole bunch of choices. And that's a good thing. That's good for the consumer because there's competition. You can go wherever you want to to spend your money. And some of those businesses, they are owned by African-Americans. Some of them are not. And that's perfectly fine because other groups of people have figured out how to market and how to sell to us because African-Americans are consumers. We consume more than we produce. And I can say that unequivocally because most of us don't work in the production of a finished good. We work in corporate America. You work in the financial institutions. You know, we work in the information economy. We don't produce anything tangible. Now, we used to, but not really so much anymore. But we overwhelmingly consume. We have a consumer economy. Like We're not the only ones that consume. It is, it is what it is. But they have all figured out how to market to black folks to where we do spend our money outside of our community because they got the jump on us. They figured out how to market to us, which is cool. Right. Victory for them. Congratulations. You figured out how to market and sell your products, services, food, legal services, whatever to to African-Americans. We need to figure out how to sell to them. I hope I'll get in trouble by saying this because it's actually very complimentary what I'm about to say. And I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Do you know who has perfected this person is a marketing genius? I don't know if you know. But once I tell you who it is, it's all going to click for you. But you know who, and I heard this from another lawyer. You know who has figured out how to perfectly offer their services to the black community? David Gruber. I heard another lawyer say David Gruber is the law for, so personal injury lawyer, right? Come on, we give away his money every, how often we give away money every three months? You ain't messing with David Gruber. David Gruber is a marketing genius. When David Gruber is walking around the city, people ask him for his autograph. Isn't that crazy? All from one call. That's it. That's all it takes. A single call. So another lawyer was like, oh, no. And look, I'm not even lying to y'all. Right here on this, the Journal Sentinel article I'm looking at, or it's a TMJ4.com article, in the uh, the banner area of this webpage is David Gruber's face. And it says one call. That's all. As I'm looking at the article above black businesses in the Wisconsin black chamber of commerce, David Gruber's face is staring at me. He's got great hair. He does. He's got very good hair. Oh God. Rhea, of course he is. Oh, that's oh, That's not a secret. Of course he is. We love David Gruber. So a lawyer was like, yeah, David Gruber is the the law firm that gets the overwhelming amount 
of African-Americans. Like when we get into accidents, that's who we call. Not Gindlin, Liverman, and Safferman, not PKSD. We call David Gruber because he has perfected how to market to us. And he also happens to be a very nice fella. He's a very nice guy. But there is a way in which you can market to other cultures. African-Americans, as you know, we have less disposable income, and a lot of us are already committed. We're already buying stuff from other people. And you know how tough it is to get a black person to switch brands? Some of y'all only wear Nike, right? Some of y'all only wear, I don't know, Prada or whatever. You're committed to your brands. It's really tough to get a new business, a new company to get you to switch. Fair enough. You have a business. You're a black person. Market to, to white folks. And I think the white people are waiting for us to market to them. Okay, some of y'all do hair. You know how much money white women would pay to get their hair braided like they just went to the Caribbean? How, how much is it? How much? 7800 for braids, for box braids? Here, here's 8000 <laughs> All my friends are going to think I went to Jamaica. Why not? Sell our culture a little bit. Make some money off of it. They're going to steal it anyway. You might as well sell it to them. All right, what time is it? Let me take a break and come back and talk to... Looks like Ashley and Bob, huh? Okay. You guys hang on a second. We're going to play these David Gruber commercials, and then I'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be back shortly. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let's talk to Ashley. You're on 1017 The Truth. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good in yourself. I'm doing well, thank you. So I just wanted to weigh in on this conversation about um, the, the black. Well, I basically tuned in when you were talking about economics and things in the, in the black community and supporting black business. I understand what you were saying as far as... Um, I was a little confused when you made the comment about how you uh, you it would be disappointing to or you you don't want to support a black business because you feel bad and I just I, I don't think it should be like a, a thing that feels bad. Yes, it may be a sacrifice, but if we want anything to change, there has to be some kind of sacrifice. So you may not have an easy process. You might have to wait in line longer. You might have to pay more, especially seeing that. Most black businesses are smaller businesses, and they're starting from from scratch. They're not a, a business like a Walmart that has funders and all of this money behind them so they can make their stuff cheaper. And it seems like we, we have um, – yes, we should hold our people to a high standard, but it seems like we have one bad instance or even a, a few bad instances with a black business, and we label all black businesses as hard to deal with. It sounds like – the conversation that that the that the community has about black women, not everybody, of course, but we know the stigma that's put on black women. You're difficult. It's hard. And I just feel like if we ever want to see any kind of change, we just can't give up that easy, even if something is hard. Like, yes, it may be an inconvenience. You might have to do something different. It might take you longer. It might cost more. But in order for us to have 
any kind of grounds anywhere, we have to at least be our own consumers. How can we expect to make anybody else our consumers when they look at us and say, we don't even support ourselves? You want us to support your business? And if everybody that does have the business business ethics moves out into a different community and starts their business, what is that doing for the black community? The black dollar don't stay here no time because it, it ain't no black <laughs> no black businesses. Not not and not discrediting the ones that are out here, but majority of the people that are in our community are not us. So yeah, I just feel like we have to do that. So no, I appreciate that. But what that. and how much is the thing about the consumer? Because the consumer has got an unlimited amount of choices. And you are right. We have to sacrifice something to support our businesses. But if nothing changes, there's a particular black owned restaurant. I'm not going to say the name of it, but my God, do I love the food? I want to be able to go there for Mm -hmm. lunch, but I can't. Let me tell you why. Because it takes an hour and a half to get my food. Now, when the food comes, it's right. It is delicious. I've never had a complaint about the food. But if I have been going there for years and if I have to alter my whole afternoon schedule to support this business at some point, I'm not going to be able to eat there very often, if at all, because nothing is changing with the business. The other thing that we do is we we find something that we sell. Maybe it's a product. Maybe it's like a food product. And there's too many barbecue restaurants. There's too many people selling sweets and cakes and pies. So we're actually making it more difficult on ourselves because we will take something that we know how to do and then start a business out of it, but not giving respect That's to the true. fact that there's 900. I, you know how many places I can get type 2 diabetes shopping at our, <laughs> our black owned bakeries? That's true. We got to diversify. But another reason we. That's true. But another reason we have that issue as well is because the people that do have that thought of, okay, maybe we should think about health and things like that. Not saying that everybody that lives in, in, in the north side of Milwaukee or a different hood is just, they don't know anything about nutrition or anything. But that's the main thing folks like, some soul food, some barbecue. So that's what's going to be here, especially if all the people that are thinking about this packs up and moves to the suburbs. I have this conversation with my mom all the time because she, she, she I'm, I'm a 90s baby. She, so she's the generation behind us. They, she's like, no, I'm moving away. This is not, no, I can't do this. And I understand you want your car to be safe. You want everything to be good. But we need to realize until we are able to work together, everybody's not going to be rich. But different economic classes within the black community we have to rely on each other or we will continue to stay in this situation. We need, because there's black lawyers, there's black doctors, everything else. But a lot of times those people that are knowledgeable in these different fields that we don't dig into as much, they leave and they go somewhere else. So then, yes, we're forced to have to outsource. I I don't know of many black lawyers or, or law offices here in Milwaukee if there is any. And I'm not saying there aren't because I'm not sure. That's why I say I don't know. But that's the thing. We have to go out and get other stuff from other communities because or it's not here. Black businesses can do what other successful businesses do. They advertise on black media, which keeps us here informing the people. And then the people that listen to us can hear about the businesses, something that we don't like to do. We don't like to spend money on promotion because we see that as money out the door instead of that. As an investment, that's why we spent a whole year with Northwestern Mutual doing interviews here and doing segments, trying to get our people up to speed on financial yes. literacy. But actually, I got to take a break. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. All right. Have a good day, Ashley. But you know who got 
selling products and services, a black business selling products and services to white people who got it down, Twisted Plants. They started a vegan restaurant in Cudahy, and then their other one is on Brady Street. Black folks ain't vegan like that. So they went to the white folks, and they sold to the white folks. The truth was sure when he was to be back for hour two.